0: Bibles to the book of Romans, Jack's little story about his doctor appointment this morning. He went in and no one was there and he was the only one and he came out and he was real kind about it with other people that were there. I remember 25 years ago, probably 30 years ago, there was a real bad snowstorm. And I lived behind, lived behind the church at that time and I was supposed to do all the shoveling around the church itself and make it so that people could get in. And by the time I was done, I walked like this. Okay. Well, we had an osteopath in the church and she said, come on in. And I arranged for someone to drive me in to the osteopath about eight o'clock at night and it was just he and 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 myself with the osteopath Mary Tipton I don't know if anybody would remember her and she uh, saw the guy driving me walking like that too and she says you're next I'll do uh, I'll crack your back and get you all aligned after Pastor Dave so She did me, and it was painless. She aligned everything, and it was good, and it relieved me. And I said, now, is he the only one here? And she said, oh, yeah, he's the only one. I'm I'm closed. So I said, forgive me for this, Mary. And I went, oh! (laughs) And I got out into the outer waiting room in time to see the outer door shutting. I had to uh, go out into the car and tell him it was a, a a personality out of control. I don't know why I am so sorry that God gave me that personality to do that. Wow. We are in Romans. One of the most interesting books of the Bible we are in Romans and it is a it is a book that I have taught twice before but before I didn't teach it this slowly and this in depth I'm trying to teach it this time through as if it was a a college course so that you are really going to learn some things about the book of Romans and I don't care how long it takes I want you to learn. I just want you to learn. Sunday night's message, last Sunday night, I want you to grow and be praying and learn how to pray better. And I want you to learn and read your Bibles. Last week we talked about the case against the moralist. The moralist. And uh, if we were to read verses 1 to 16, which we read some of that last week, we would find that the moralist is someone who lives a moral, clean, wonderful life. But last week's message, he judges everyone else. He criticizes everyone else. He, is, he sets himself up as the judge everywhere because, after all, he's so moral and he's so clean. He's a good neighbor. He's an excellent worker, a great provider, an ideal citizen. But he's not saved. He won't be found in heaven. That's an amazing thing. I remember having this very conversation with my own father before he got saved. Because he, he, he was such a good person, such a helpful person. But he did condemn and he did judge a lot of people. We, we see the moralist. We see the moralist. We know the, the moralist because of his judging The way he judges and complains and criticizes. Very simply, judging others raises, watch me, self above others and lowers others to another scale. The moralist is actually inexcusable. And he condemns himself because he does the very same things. Romans chapter 2, verse 1. therefore... Thou art inexcusable. There's no excuse for it. Thou art inexcusable, O oh man, whoso, whosoever thou art that judges, for wherein thy wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest does the same things. Now, when saying the same things, the he might be judging someone for this over here. But he's surely overlooking his own private sin. Which it's private. It's a secret. We talked about secret sins last week. There are no secret sins with God. We know that. The moralist is inexcusable. Because he does the same things. Well, he sins. All, all men sin. All men make mistakes. No one is perfect. No, not one. Coming into that chapter 3. And again, the moral list is inexcusable. In Matthew 7, 3, the scriptures say, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? That's a splinter. But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Thou, therefore, which teachest another... Romans two twenty one, teachest thou not thyself, thou that preachest a man should not steal, does thou steal that? And we could be, we could argue that we we steal even when we don't give our 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 work the best we can do when we sluff off of working, we're stealing somebody's wages. This point does not mean that judicial systems of the state are wrong. They have the right from Romans 13 when we do get there. But so important for us to understand that we are not to criticize and complain and judge others for the splinter in their eye when we have a boulder we have a two-by-four sticking out our, our own eye. And Jesus, he's the one that will be do the, doing the judging. He'll be the one that does, uh, he'll be making the, the judgments upon us. In James three, ten, Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. That is in re- reflection of the way we curse, the way we talk, with even cursing and swearing. And when we talk, I just want to say nastily. What's it say? Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing, my brother. brethren. These, these things ought not to be. So when we... Talk about judgment. Look with me to verse 2. Romans chapter 2 verse 2. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things that commit sins. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same that thou shalt do you think you're going to escape the judgment of God or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering not knowing that the goodness of God leads us to repentance but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up thyself wrath Against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. This message will talk a little bit about God's judgment. We'll talk about a little bit about what God's judgment and His wrath does. The Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance... But the Lord looks on the heart. First Samuel 16, 7. Say it again. The Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance. But the Lord looks on the heart. I have four points here I want to speak to you about. The moralist, the one who's a really good person but not saved. He doesn't even need a savior, you know. He's such a good person, in his mind, he thinks, why do I need to be saved? And we'll see that in the next chapter, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, I wanted you to see this, the moralist thinks he will escape. He will escape, but he won't the really good, righteous people, that don't have Christ in their heart. They're not, they don't have a need for salvation. They don't have a need for, for Christ to be in their lives. And you and I, at least I have, I've come across people like that. We need to be able to practice humility and say, oh, God help us. Help us, Lord, to help others even. But we have to have that need. The moralist thinks he will escape. But God will judge men not only for their deeds, for the good things they do, but for their thoughts. We get judged for our thoughts if you'll turn to 1 John chapter 2, keep your finger there, but 1 John chapter 2, turning in your Bibles, 1 John chapter 2, of course, John, John is uh, the one who, who wrote Revelation as well. He was the one called the beloved apostle. John, this John, was the one that was full of love more than any of the others and known to Jesus for uh, his love. If you're with me, I said God will judge men not only for their deeds, but for their thoughts. John, 1 John two fifteen. Love, not the world. Stopping right there for a moment. That is society apart from God. Love, not the world. The whole system of the world. Love it not more than God himself. Love, not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes. The pride of life. I'm I'm going to go back. The lust of the flesh. Touching. The lust of the eyes. Seeing. Wanting. And the pride of life. Having the wrong purpose. In your life. All of those things are not of the world, are not of the Father, but they are of the world. And the world will pass away. Things that you touch, things that you see, things that you want. The world will pass away, verse 17. And the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God will abide forever. And that's a promise I make to you. He that does God's will Hopefully without complaining. He that does God's will will abide, continually live forever. starts now in the abundant life. And it goes on with eternal life. Oh, would we be ruined. If we could see the things that God has planned for us in heaven... If we could just see it, oh, it it would ruin us maybe in that we would just want to sit and wait. But while we're here, we're, we're to do God's will and part of that is to minister to others, to be useful to the kingdom of God. Again, the moralist thinks he will escape. Numbers 32 says, but if you will not do so. Behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure, your sin will find you out. Numbers thirty-two twenty-three. Be sure, your sin will find you out. Anybody here? Anybody here? Never sinned. Well, I said that to—I uh, don't know—I had almost a hundred in junior church for a long time there. And I asked that question any of you I was teaching pilgrims progress at the time. Quite a wonderful lessons uh, they I would teach the lesson about pilgrim and then they were to go home and for that week draw what they heard. Draw what they saw me saw me heard me say and then they would bring it in and we were po- we were paper wallpapering the walls with the things they they saw. But any of you, is there anyone here that has never sinned? And not against deacons or anything. I have only one here right now. The deacon's daughter raised her hand. Just raising her hand made her sin. Ecclesiastes twelve fourteen has a wonderful verse: "For God will bring every work into judgment, with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil." And again, if I walked over here, went into the closet, looked carefully, made sure nobody was looking, and then I went into the closet and no one there door shut and i did i did my sin in private there is no private sin if most of most of us m- most human beings when they when they and this is a problem when our children get away from the nest but when they get away from everybody and everything they look to make sure no one's watching they just don't look up and I've said this again, parents that are here, practice the presence of Jesus Christ, teaching them that so it becomes second nature so that when they are out away from you, they'll never be away from Him. That was Ecclesiastes twelve fourteen. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret sin, whether it be good or whether it be evil, secrets. The moralist, the one who thinks he's so good he doesn't need a savior, the one who would make the best friend and best best neighbor, the moralist, thinks God is too good to punish. When he thinks of God, he thinks of the riches of God's goodness. He thinks of his kindness, grace, and love. He thinks of God's forbearance. He thinks of God's holding back and abstaining and controlling his justice. He thinks of God's long-suffering, the moralist. God would never put me into hell. I'm such a good person. The truth is, if we looked into God's mirror, there's no one good. And if we could take the veil off of our eyes, there are sins of commission which we stress a lot of. But there's also sins of omission. It's a sin when the Spirit is telling you to do something or you see a need and you don't do it. When the Spirit is telling you to do something and you don't do it, that's disobedience as well. For him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. On the contrary, God, of course, is all this and more. What the moralist fails to see is God's goodness is not a blank check for sinning. God's so good, he wouldn't condemn me. He wouldn't judge me. Look at how good I did last week. He'll, he'll, he'll forgive this one. And Then you go in, prearranged to do sin. God doesn't give us license to sin. God does not condone sin, does not indulge sin, does not overlook sin. God's goodness is to lead men to repentance, not to sin. God's goodness is to lead us to not sin, to seek repentance, to seek forgiveness, The fact that God will forgive sin should stir men, should should stir us to seek forgiveness. And one other thing, to seek to please God. One of the overall principles in the Christian life is simply, what would please Him? I must do that. What would not please Him, I must not do that. Even if I'm outnumbered, does it please God or does it not? Wow. Still on this this theme, I want you to turn with me to please, uh, to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. While you're turning, God does not just overlook and forgive sin. God does not condone, indulge, or give license to sin. God will judge him, and the judgment will be according to the truth. If you're with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? That's heaven. The unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God be not deceived neither fornicators sexual sinners nor idolaters those that would put other things before God nor adulterers with that in the same sentence as the fornicator adulterers are those that are married committing sin and then the word fornicator are those out of wedlock committing sin nor effeminate. I preached a sermon a couple weeks ago, and so I'm not going to go there, but what does God say? They shall not inherit the kingdom of God, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of us, some of you, but you are washed. You are sanctified, set apart. But ye are justified, just as if I'd never sinned in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That's the difference. That's the difference. There's going to be people in heaven that will surprise you. There's going to be people in hell that will surprise you. Keeping that in mind, the moralist, the one who thinks so highly of himself, the moralist thinks man is basically good. He thinks that man can be good enough for God to accept without accepting God as Savior and Lord. The moralist thinks that God's goodness accepts man's good works, thoughts and behavior, good feelings, nature and tendencies. But again, God, of course, is pleased with whatever good things we do, but that's not for our salvation. We don't do good things to be saved. We do good things because we are saved and we want to please Him. That's a wonderful difference. In Romans 1, last week, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were they thankful, Romans 1.21. If you're with me, back in Romans. When they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were they thankful, because they don't need him. They could have done the same without him. They could, have, they could have done great without God. They are doing great without God. Romans 121, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, and neither were they thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened professing themselves to be wise and oh they do they become fools Proverbs 26, 12 says Seeing, Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit thinking he's smarter than other people there is more hope of a fool than of him and of the conceited man. Proverbs. Proverbs. I'm trying to look for the passage I just read. 26, 12. And one of my favorite verses. He that trusteth in his own heart, in his own ways, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whosoever will walk wisely with the word of God guiding them, Whosoever walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. The word of God is a light. And we need to be able to remember and recognize that light and take that light with us wherever we go. And that light shines onto others like a spotlight. I remember those of you that are hunters, I remember being deep in the woods and uh, trying to get out of the woods with coyotes screaming here and there and there. And uh, I, re- I remember singing. I don't want any bears or coyotes thinking I'm a, on, on something that they could eat. But what a joy it is to come around the corner of the path and there to see the trailer with its lights on. Finally, you can see that light. That light shows you that you're safe again. That's what the Word of God does. Wow. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. The moralist, the one who thinks he doesn't need God, the one that thinks he's so good he doesn't need saved, he doesn't have a need. The moralist hardens his heart against the judgment of God. He refuses to repent. He just cannot accept the fact that he is not good enough for God to accept. Everybody else else thinks he's so good. He can't accept that God's goodness and love would ever condemn him. His judgment is bound to be greater than the judgment upon a person who has never had the privilege of hearing about the goodness of God. Jesus said in John 3:36, He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. I don't know if that penetrates into our heart yet to see that is the most valuable thing we can own. We have everlasting life. Listen, we can't die. We can't die. Oh, our body can die. It can decay and die. But our soul goes on. He that believes on the Son... Has everlasting life. He that believes not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Same chapter as John 3:16, for God so loved the world. We just never go further in that chapter. We are promised everlasting life. But those that don't believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Their only promise is the wrath of God to be upon them. In Romans 1.18, we already covered this a couple weeks ago. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, against all unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Don't be. Don't. Be a moralist, admit your need, admit your humility, confess, profess your, your humility and your need for God every day. Part of that is having the right prayer life, which we covered last week. And so, so, so important for your sake to start off your day with Christ and keeping His presence with you all day long. That's showing your need. Lord Jesus, only you know our hearts. Lord, I pray there are no moralists, Lord. There are moral people because of you here. But Lord, I pray there are those, none here, Lord, that would admit to being moralists, having no need of you. What a God you are. What a forgiver, what mercy. Thank you, Lord. Asking you, Lord, to bless these people and their families. Go with us now. Bless the children across the way. In Jesus' name, amen.